Another day, another dollar. Welcome back into the channel, ladies and gentlemen, fellas, fellas, fellas. You are now tuning into the best value QBs for this season's NFL 2020 fantasy football year. And we're going to be looking at late round QBs because man, oh man, that's part of the Bible. If you know my content or if you've been following it, or if you've just been following fantasy football in general, late round QBs are some of the best value that you will ever, ever find, if not the best value of all time in fantasy football drafts. Why? Well, look at two years ago, Patrick Mahomes. You can take a swing on late round QBs or you can get consistent late round QBs, or you can get both, which is the best of both worlds. We're talking about the round 10 and and after quarterbacks. It's right around there is what we're going to be talking about today. Lamar Jackson last year in that exact same range. So the two highest scoring fantasy quarterbacks, albeit maybe a a little bit of an outliers with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson this year, were both late round quarterbacks. I'm going to be focusing on a handful of these late round quarterbacks today. Welcome back into the channel. Big old subscribe button is about to pop up into your face. And the question of the day for you right now is in this year's draft, would you rather in these later rounds be taking Matthew Stafford or Baker Mayfield? Let me know the answer to that question right now. Just read draft format for fantasy football 2020 quarterbacks. Let me know which one, Matthew Stafford or Baker Mayfield. And as always, these are going to be based on ADPs. And I actually had a really good question in the chat the other day in the comment section. And it was just pretty much saying that a lot of ADPs might not be accurate right now. That is true because not a lot of people are drafting, but there's still a high volume of people around the industry drafting. It just might not be on one specific site. So a couple of sites, 444 is one of them, 444football.com. You can check it out. They're doing a consensus on ADP. So they usually take around six to seven ADPs from different sites. Right now they're using about three to four until the other sites start offering some mock drafts. And it's giving you a better average. So you don't have to rely just on one site if they're not up to date or they don't have a lot of volume over there. So uh, these are all on ADPs on a consensus around the industry from multiple websites. We have a nice good sample size of just user data in there to figure out where the heck are these guys being drafted. So I have all the ADPs, I have all the value, all these late round value QBs. We're about to get into it. And right before we do down below in the description is my rookie rankings, top 50 rookies, all the positions you can get caught up to speed on them. I'm going to have rookie profiles for every single one of those players coming very shortly to the draft guide that will release in early June, depending on when you're watching this, the start of June. There's going to be a ton of information in there. That's going to be the most value that you've ever gotten. So be sure to wait for that. But also, if you want to get the rookie rankings right now, down below in the description. All right, fellas, as always, take your shoes off, relax, go get your beverage of choice. It doesn't have to be alcoholic. Go get your water bottle, whatever you have to do. This time is for you, starting with Matthew Ryan of the Atlanta Falcons, them dirty birds. In 2019, the man played 15 games. Man, oh man, Matthew Ryan has been a consistent and a staple in the NFL and fantasy football. This Atlanta offense has been for a while. Over 4,400 yards, 26 touchdowns, and he had a 70.7% true completion rate on 616 attempts. Those attempts overall were third in the league. It broke down to 41.1 per game. He was third in red zone attempts with just under six point game at 5.9, and he had a 4.2% touchdown rating. He was tied for first with Jameis Winston, and I found this very interesting, in 300 plus yard passing games. Jameis, of course, led the entire league, but Matt Ryan, unlike Jameis, did not throw 30 interceptions, and he had 11 300 plus yard passing games. The next closest to Jameis and Ryan only had eight. He was very good when he had a clean pocket third overall in the league the issue was he, he never had a clean pocket because he was always under pressure he had the 26 ranked protection unit in the league which was not good and he was around average under pressure so that's good to see he did not completely fold hence his good numbers from last year now when we're trying to look at the next season we always have to see what they did in this past offseason so they added a lot to the offense via free agency not so much the draft they went out they got Laquan Treadwell they got Justin McCray an offensive tackle that should help the line they got Hayden Hurst to replace Austin Hooper who they lost and I think it's an upgrade personally Kerry Lee just a depth in blocking tight end and then Todd Gurley, the running back, was their biggest uh, biggest move in general, taking on that big contract from Todd Gurley.
early after he was cut by the Los Angeles Rams. Now they ended up cutting Devonta Freeman. They got no more Austin Hooper. They lost a few offensive tackles and guards and Luke Stocker, a tight end. So they did lose some pieces. They kind of replaced all of those exact pieces with, in my opinion, what seems to be um, upgrades in, for the most part. And then in the NFL draft, they only drafted a center on the offensive side of the ball, Matt Hennessy, in the third round to try and help this offensive line, which speaking of this offensive line was not good last year. And that was not the expectation after they went out in the 2019 draft a year ago and drafted two first round offensive linemen and then did a huge free agency signing for a four-year deal. And in that, you ended up getting Chris Lindstrom not playing the first 13 weeks of the season, their number one overall pick, their highest pick in the first round. And then their second offensive lineman taken in the first round, Caleb McGarry, uh, 31st overall pick last year in the 2019 draft was absolutely horrendous. Out of like 38 qualifying right tackles, and I'll probably pop this up on the screen right now. These are via pro football focus, these little blurbs on the offensive line from last year. It's all free content. You can check it out yourself if you would like for some other offensive lines. But yeah, Caleb McGarry was uh, bottom five in the league at the right tackle position last year. So you had your two first round picks, one just being sort of a bust at least last year, the other one being hurt. Your big free agency signing was absolutely a bust. And then some other nicks and bruises on the line. Austin Hooper, a tight end getting hurt at one point. That's going to impact your, your pass blocking to an extent as well. Matt Ryan just had an awful unit around him blocking. And that shouldn't be the case this year when you factor in that they signed Justin McCray, they ended up getting Kerry Lee for a little bit of blocking tight end depth. And they're just going to have these first round picks, one in McGarry, at least having a second year to try and improve and improve himself. But Chris Lindstrom, who showed promise the final two or three games of the season last year, he's at least going to be healthy for now coming into this year. So the passing game weapons are just as good as ever. You have Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, one of the best one-two punches in the entire league. You go out, you get Hayden Hurst from Baltimore and you end up dumping off and he goes to Cleveland, Austin Hooper. And I'm completely fine with that. Hayden Hurst is coming out of college, at least the more athletic, the better profile, the better draft capital on him. So I'm excited for him to actually be, instead of in the, the least passing offense last year, the highest rushing offense in Baltimore, he flips the switch completely and goes to the number one passing offense from 2019 in terms of passing plays per game with 45.9 in Atlanta. Julio last year, just an absolute beast year, 99 receptions, 1,394 yards and 12 touchdowns on what seemed to be a quiet year for the man, 25.7% target share. And Ridley is really set to break out. He was a top 10, borderline top five wide receiver, the final four games that he played last year because he got hurt for the final three, but he averaged 67 yards per game. He saw seven touchdowns through just 13 games and around an 18% target share. But that target share in those final four games when he started to break out was spiking into the mid twenties. I've talked about Hayden Hurst a couple of times on this channel. I'm very high on him. He, I believe he's my eighth ranked tight end overall right now. We'll have some more tight end content on this channel really in the coming weeks or so. And really this week, but he was seventh overall in yards per target and sixth in yards per route run. Yards per route run is the number one efficiency metric for all pass catchers. It just shows how efficient you are. So he was this efficient in the number one run offense. And now you're going to be putting him into the passing offense that threw the most per game last year. It does bode well for upside. Also Laquan Treadwell out there. You're going to have Russell Gage out there in the slot as well. I do think that Ridley moves into the slot a good amount when Laquan Treadwell is on the outside, which just opens up even more options for this offense. So right now you can get Matt Ryan as consensus QB nine, and that only costs you the ninth pick in the seventh round of 12 team drafts. That is a steal in my opinion. This is like the earliest that I'm starting to take quarterbacks is the Matt Ryan range in that round. Just load up on running backs, receivers, a tight end if you would like. But now we're going to really start to get into these late round QBs with the following QBs all being selected in rounds 10 or later. Mr. Reliable met unreliable last year with Matthew Stafford, just as he starts to age. And really he's not that old at all. He's only 32, but his back started to give out. He missed the final eight games, but he was on pace for a career season. He had in those eight games, 312 yards per game was second in the league, only behind Jameis, 36.4 attempts per game. But his overall numbers during that time would have actually prorated out, or I guess exemplified out to 4,998 yards and 38 touchdowns. That means he would have led the league in passing touchdowns and been third, only three yards behind Dak Prescott in passing yards last year. And once again, I know it's not as simple as just doubling the stats, but that's the 
pace that he was on. That's the the track that he was setting, a top three quarterback pace, if not borderline top one quarterback in the entire league, Matthew Stafford, MVP type season, the first month to two months into the season. But we all forget about that because he didn't play the second half of the year due to that injury. He ranked fourth in fantasy points per game at the quarterback position at 20.8 per contest. He was fifth in fantasy points per dropback. He was just extremely, extremely efficient in this offense that at the beginning of the year wanted to run the ball. And they quickly had to get away from that because their defense was just oh so bad. They were never actually ahead or in game scripts where passing wasn't the ideal option. So in the offseason, the Lions had a ton. They ended up signing Vite to a, a huge deal for the offensive tackle himself. They ended up getting just a bunch of depth pieces at the offensive line. Garnett, they took a backup QB, Chase Daniels in free agency, some backup wide receivers, Geronimo Allison, former division rival Green Bay Packer. They lost a good amount. Graham Glasgow was a top 10 player at his position last year. They lost him in offensive guard. They lost a couple of other depth pieces. Jeff Driscoll, backup quarterback, was replaced with Chase Daniel. And then they lost J.D. McKissick, who they have a ton of running backs in this roster, so they're not really going to miss his pass catching skill set. In the NFL draft, they didn't have a first round pick, but they took DeAndre Swift in the second round, adding to a, a loaded running back room of on Johnson, DeAndre Swift, Bo Scarborough, Ty Johnson, and apparently they want to use all of them, but that's for another day. And then they took a lot of offensive line help in the third and fourth round. They got a couple of guards and they're going to need that offensive line help, but their offensive line last year, it wasn't as bad as it actually seems. They were 21st graded all in pass blocking. They were 25th in pass protection at 80.5%, but a lot of that started to fall apart towards the end of the season. Frank Ragnar made the transition to center and he was very good in that. A huge step forward for him. They ended up losing, like I said, Graham Glasgow to free agency, but Vitae should bolster the roster. This is going to be a borderline top 10 unit if they stay healthy. And Vitae is, is who he says he is in the free agency market dollars, at least uh, kind of indicate that success that he should have. But yeah, it was a situation where there was a lot of injuries last year, just in general with some backup QBs, two or three QBs playing behind Stafford. It makes it a little bit difficult to kind of keep that cohesiveness on the offensive line, at least with your quarterback and expectations there. So expect a little bit of a better offensive line this year. It's going to be switching in one top player with another top player. And as long as they stay healthy, it's going to be pushing top 15, top 10 line in the league, all things considered. Now your passing game options, just two absolute monsters on the outside in terms of size and, and physicality and Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. Galladay played over 90% of the snaps. He's he's a top eight wide receiver right now for me. He had 65 receptions, over 1,100 yards and 11 touchdowns, 25% red zone target share, number one in deep targets, 21% overall target share. You can check out my rankings video. You can check out some of those things to get more information on Kenny Galladay himself after you watch this one, of course. But yeah, he's an absolute beast. And he did that with guys like Jeff Driscoll, who were just running all over the place last year. David Blau and just other quarterbacks that you're not ever going to remember. Marvin Jones, 94% of the snaps. He had 62 receptions, 779 yards, only played in 13 games. He's just standardly going to miss one to three games a season, 20% of the target share. Then you have Danny Amendola in the slot. Draw on Allison, who they acquired, should probably take some of the slot snaps with Danny Amendola. Uh, so no really big threats there. TJ Hawkinson, the rookie, played in only 12 games before injury, had a concussion last year. He saw 14% of the target share. So they do have weapons. That's not even touching on the four running backs that they apparently want to use. And obviously the most talented one seems to be DeAndre Swift with that high second round draft pick. But Matthew Stafford right now, where he's currently going in drafts, you're going to be able to get him in the 10th round. He is currently going as QB 13 with the first pick in the 10th round on average. That is fantastic. You can then take nine rounds worth of running backs, wide receivers, snag a tight end. You're loaded up with four running backs, four receivers and a tight end. And then you take Matthew Stafford as your QB one, a man who literally last year, I get it, back injuries are going to make him regress maybe, but literally last year was on pace and had top five fantasy points per game just an absolute beast in these rounds. I think his ADP should be rising as the season goes on. But then again, there's so many QBs in these late rounds that maybe it doesn't. I think Baker Mayfield, the flop lag is real for him. And what that means is he had all the hype last year. He flops. And now that he's going to lag to this year, I am very excited for Baker Mayfield. He might be my favorite late round QB to be targeting, at least in this 10th round range where you have the Staffords. He's a little bit past that range of the Matt Ryans. But even then, I love the value that you're getting out of Baker Mayfield. Baker last year played in every single game, the former first round pick in his second year in the league. He did struggle, but a ton of it, a ton of it was due to poor offensive line play. He 
had over 3,800 yards, 22 touchdowns, 78.2% true completion percentage, was 28th in the league. So not great overall. He was seventh in deep attempts per game. He was sixth in red zone targets. So in those terms, for fantasy purposes, you do like to see all of that. Cleveland ended up throwing the 20th most times in the league at 36.2 per game. And he was number two in interceptions behind only Jameis, although a huge gap of nine interceptions. But Baker threw 21 picks. Not good at all. He did show mobility on the ground. And that's what we want to see out of our fantasy quarterbacks. Mobile quarterbacks have a ton of upside, hence Lamar Jackson, Mahomes to an extent, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, all these guys being in your top eight, Russell Wilson, even Aaron Rodgers. But right now, last year, he had 28 attempts, 141 yards in those three rushing touchdowns. So that does provide a good amount of value for us. He was an above average play action passer and deep ball passer last year. But I kind of hinted at it. The offensive line was just absolutely atrocious. It was overall 30th ranked out of 32 teams in pressure rating allowed. It was 16th ranked in run blocking efficiency, according to PFF. But the pressure that they allowed in general was a ton, which means that Baker was scrambling, which usually won't be seen in his numbers as much, which usually means when you're scrambling, you're rushed, you have pressure in your face. It leads to a lot of the interceptions. The 21 that you see kind of explain a little bit to an extent, at least uh, there, some of it too, to just Baker's recklessness as well as a second year player. So they end up losing Greg Robinson, which is actually a fine loss for them. They lose Justin McCray on the offensive line, Eric Cush. All these guys were not good. McCray was the only one who was solid, but Cush last year, Robinson, very, very bad. They lose some blocking tight ends in Demetrius Harris, uh, Ricky Seals Jones, who was just a depth piece. They ended up losing him. But then they pick up so, so much in this offensive line. And this is why I like Baker so much. And I'm very, very excited for him. They go out and they get Jack Conklin, who's a staple in the Derrick Henry run blocking scheme in that offensive line in Tennessee. I love that. And then in the NFL draft with the 10th pick in the first round, they take Alabama tackle Dredrick Willis, and I could not be more excited. So now you take two, what seems to be very strong and talented and maybe even elite offensive linemen, and you infuse them into this line of Cleveland that needs this help so desperately. I am very, very excited for what's about to happen. I mean, Baker was sacked 40 times in the league last year. That was overall tied for seventh. That's not very good. And I should mention that Matt Ryan was actually sacked the most in the league with Russell Wilson in one last game, 48 times. But Baker Mayfield's line was terrible last year. There's going to be a lot of improvements. Outside of that on offense, they ended up adding Austin Hooper. So that's a good bump for them. They 50 or 10 year David Njoku. So he's going to be remain with this team. They got a fullback who's a good run blocking fullback, but also pass protector in Andy Janovich, former Denver Bronco. So nice little addition there as well. And the passing game options are going to pretty much be coming back per usual outside of adding Austin Hooper. It's Odell Beckham Jr., which if you've seen my must have wide receivers, my rankings, I am absolutely all in buying Odell this year. Go ahead and watch those for the analysis. There's a deep dive on him as well as the other must-have wide receivers, as well as the rankings. I cannot wait for Odell this year. So you have Odell Beckham Jr. who played injured the entire season last year, but still toughed it out for 97% of the snaps, still toughed it out for over a thousand yard season on 133 targets. He saw 25% of the target share. Jarvis Landry, who was the number one weapon for Baker last year, played on 95% of the snaps. Both of these guys were out there and reliable. I expect the same this year. He had over 1,100 yards, led the team, six touchdowns, and also led the team with a 26.6% target share on 138 targets, five more than Odell. Austin Hooper is likely to see on a per game basis a downtick because he was in the number one passing offense last year. So unless the Browns decide to throw the ball the most in the league, Austin Hooper is likely to see a little bit of a downtick, but he did catch 75 balls in just 13 games last year as a top six tight end for Atlanta, just based on the volume that they were passing. He saw 26% of the red zone targets. So maybe a sneaky weapon there for the Browns and 18% of the overall targets. And then finally, pass catching threats, Nick Chubb to an extent, but mainly Kareem Hunt out of the backfield. Kareem Hunt actually outcaught Nick Chubb in half the games because he only played eight due to his suspension last, last year. Saw 45 targets, ended up seeing 5.6 targets per game in those eight games. Got 37 balls, which is one more than Nick Chubb. So Baker Mayfield is currently going off the board at the QB15 and consensus ADP around the industry. That is the 10th pick in the 10th round of 12 team formats. Late in the 10th round, you can get Baker Mayfield with the arrow pointing up. The offensive line out of all the teams in the league arguably improved the most this offseason. There's about three teams that stand out to me, and I would probably put, based on the talent in Jack Conklin and the draft capital Jared Rick Willis out of 
of Alabama, I'd probably put the offensive line of Cleveland as a top two improvement this offseason. It makes me love Baker Mayfield in this round, and the upside for being a top 10 QB is surely there. Before we continue, please oh, hit that big old subscribe button that's about to pop up. You hitting that, you also hitting the notification bell and the like button, please. Takes a couple seconds of your time, totally free if you enjoy this content to do that because it allows this video to reach more people. It's likely how you ended up seeing me from other people doing that. Please do that. It allows me to just continue to create this free content for you and put the legwork in up front to remain to keep it free. So thanks so much. Let's get back into the video. Minshew Mania is running wild right now in terms of the overall value that you're getting out of Gardner Minshew. Currently, the ADP consensus on Gardner Minshew is quarterback 26 with the 15th round. You're selecting him with the fourth pick overall, early 15th round Gardner Minshew. That's the last round of a lot of drafts or the second to last round, whatever it might be. You can get a starting QB who has top 15 upside, even top 10 upside in Gardner Minshew in that round. And let me tell you why. Gardner Minshew only played 14 games last year because it was Nick Foles to start the season. Then he ends up getting his number called. He averaged 233.6 yards per game during that time. 21 touchdowns in those games. Pretty good for a rookie on 470 attempts. The true completion percentage at rank 20th in the league at 87.3%. He was sixth in play action passing and fifth in deep ball accuracy. So he's a very accurate quarterback in those regards, but he was just terrible under pressure. 31st ranked in the league. And man, oh man, he faced pressure a good amount with the 23rd ranked pass protection unit in the league at just 81.6%. But he was a rookie last year. And now he's transitioning into another year where maybe they end up signing Cam Newton by the time I'm recording this. There's nobody there to really threaten for his job. But he did rush 67 times last year, 344 yards. He had no touchdowns. Want to know why? Because whenever they got in the red zone, it was Leonard Fournette time to not get in the end zone for Leonard Fournette either though, but they handed him the rock a ton. But you're telling me that he rushed 67 times in 14 games, 24.6 rushing yards per game. So I can feel pretty confident banking on two fantasy points a game on the ground, not even factoring in that he had zero rushing touchdowns. If you run 67 times, you're just going to fall into the end zone at least one of those times. So I love the rushing upside. I like that. He was fifth in overall yards for QBs. And again, he had two less games played than all these other players. 18th in fantasy points per dropback. So he's a top 20 efficiency quarterback in that regard. 30th ranked adjusted completion percentage. Not as good but that's what you're going to get out of rookies. The Jags offseason ends up being Tyler Eifert was their main pickup. Chris Thompson ends up signing with the team, but now his contract status is not there. So they haven't completely verified that, which is interesting. Mike Glennon, they got as a backup quarterback or quarterback depth. And then they had a lot, a lot of subtractions. I mean, the biggest subtractions were all their tight ends. I mean, Jeff Swaim, uh, Nick O'Leary, Seth Devolve. So a lot of these tight ends that actually ended up giving them some good pass protection as well when they stayed, on, stayed in on the line, they're all gone. They ended up losing one of their offensive tackles to Seattle. So they're gone as well. And this is a unit last Last year that was not good. So this offensive line, unlike the Browns, didn't do much to improve it. When you look at the draft, they took Ben Barch in the fourth round, and that was it. That is the only offensive line piece, whether it's a draft or free agency, that this team has had. And last year, they were not good. They were the 26th overall ranked line, according to PFF. They were 24th in pass protection, and now you're not doing anything to help the offensive line. So if there's struggles from Garner Minshew this year, I mean, sure, it could be a second-year player that's just not good in the league, but he showed flashes last year of just being a strong player and a mobile upside player. But if you're going to tell me that this guy's coming into the league with no help, they do nothing on the offensive line. It, that's going to be a problem. They drafted Lavishka Chenault in the second round. He was their first offensive pick. And then he took Ben March in the fourth round. He was an offensive tackle, but that was the only offensive line help they've had this offseason. If anything, they've lost a ton via their tight ends all leaving. If anything, they've lost a ton via some offensive tackles leaving. So I'm very concerned for the offensive line. The arrow for their line right now, it seems, is pointing down. And they were 26 ranked overall last year, so it can't get much worse. The upside is that Garneau Minshew can scramble. Maybe it leads to more running ways for him. The downside, it leads to him taking a lot of hits, a lot more pressure, and he just can't stay up over all of that. And overcome it. So the passing game options, there's going to be a plethora of them. And it's really number one alpha, the X receiver in DJ Shark, who played on 86% of the snaps, went over a thousand yards and saw a 21.8% target share on 117 targets, ended up seeing a 23.8% red zone target share. So he's the main stable piece, but then it's just a load of receivers after that. You have Chris Conley, who actually went for 775 yards on 16% of the targets last year. You have DD Westbrook, who was one of the least efficient wide receivers in the entire league. I'm a big DD fan. I was excited for him last year. He looked terrible on 101 targets, second most on the team. He only caught 66 
six of them for 660 yards. After that, there's a lot of options. It's Keenan Cole. It's it's, it's Board. It's CJ Board. It's it's Lavishka Chenault. There's so many guys out there. Chenault out of Colorado in 2019 caught 56 balls on 80 targets. He had 20% of the team's target share in 11 games. Lots of upside out of Chenault. The yards per route running college looked really good. He was able to break a ton of tackles. 44 broken tackles last year was very nice and 14% of the slot snaps. So you can move around the field a decent amount. So they're going to have passing game weapons. They have running back depth. So even if Fournette is not on this team for some reason, they do have a good amount of running depth. That Raquel Armstead, the rookie last year, Devin Ozigbo also was cut by the Saints and then signed last year. So they have a lot of running back depth. My biggest issue for Gardner Minshew is the offensive line. But if you're taking Gardner Minshew in the 15th round, you're already building in that downside that the offensive line stinks. He can't get any passes off and he turns into Baker Mayfield of last year um, and just inaccurate throwing interceptions. And it really stinks because the offensive line is just no stability. That's very much the situation here. Like the Browns last year went into the year knowing that their offensive line stunk and did nothing about it. The Jags are going into this year knowing that their offensive line stinks and so far have done nothing about it. So that's the concerns with Gardner Minshew, but a lot of them can be weighted down to just saying he's being taken in the 15th round. You're not taking on a lot of risk there with your backup quarterback who has rushing upside and mobility and a good amount of weapons around him. So there's a lot of upside here in this 15th round pick, in my opinion, in Gardner Minshew. So I'll list off three honorable mentions, and I think they're very strong mentions. Number one being Jared Goff. He's currently being taken as QB 16 with the last pick in the 11th round. He could have his own individual breakdown, and I'm sure that he will when the season goes and gets closer and we do another one of these late round QBs and QB values. Jared Goff is a very, very strong pick with the last pick or one of the last picks in your 11th round. He's solid. He he had the number one, he was tied for the lead in attempts last year. Think about that. Tied for the league lead in passing attempts last year. He was up there in yards. He was a top five overall QB in terms of the production for sustaining his receivers. But when it came to his own fantasy points, he had so many stinkers that he was ranked 20th overall in fantasy points per game. Drew Locke, with all the weapons that they gave him, if he, if he does not succeed, it is mainly going to be on his shoulders. Um, and he's going to be taking a lot of the blame. QB 22, you can get him in the 14th round right now. And then Sam Darnold, you could also get midway through the 14th round as QB 24. Upside in both those guys' offenses, I believe, and their talent. It's going to be said if they can take the steps. Drew Locke for his second year. Sam Darnold now a couple of years in the league. Can he finally take a step forward if healthy? He showed it a little bit last year when he was healthy. So those are some honorable mentions. Jared Goff in the late 11th. Uh, Drew Locke in the beginning of the 14th and Sam Darn in the mid 14th. So thank you so much for tuning into this video. Please do hit the subscribe button. I greatly appreciate it. It helps me out a ton. I appreciate if you take a couple seconds. It allows me to just reach more people when you indeed hit that subscribe button. So you probably ended up finding me and popping up on your YouTube search because other people were hitting the subscribe button. Other people were hitting the notification bell, which is also huge because then once I release a video, if you come in and you watch it within the first couple of hours, it juiced me up even more, which shows me to even more people. And it's a whole nice life cycle because the more people that watch it, the more that I can make money off of third party ads or third party sponsorships, which means this information all the work that I get to put in up front is free for you. So you can check that out. Make sure to download my rookie rankings. They're down below in the description. They're going to help you out a ton, but also the draft guide is coming. The draft guide is coming very, very soon. It's going to be a couple weeks away. Depending on when you're watching this, it might already be linked up in the description. So be sure to check out the draft guide. It's going to have everything that you possibly need. It's going to be an asset for you. So be sure to keep an eye out for that. Thanks again for tuning in. Hit that subscribe button. Let me know down in the comment section below. Who would you rather have? Would you rather have Matthew Stafford or Baker Mayfield for 2020? If you have not already answered that question, follow me on Twitter at DFS. You can reach out in the comments down below or over on Twitter there. Thank you so much. Stay safe, everybody, and I will see you in the next one.